If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I'm Jacob Brown, joined here with CJ Yuri and Steve Cash, and we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs, the College Football National Championship, NHL opening week, and then basketball at the end. So uh, we had a lot of games going on in the NFL last week. The playoffs were here, um, and I'm going to take a look at the scores last week. So we had Bills beating the Colts 27 to 24. This game, and I said it. Uh, if there was any, I, I said on the pod when I did the solo one last week, I thought the Bills were going to win, but the Colts would keep it respectable, and they did. Uh, only a field goal loss. Uh, Colin Coward said it on his show. I completely agree with him. Uh, jo- Josh Allen's what won this game for Buffalo. Uh, you know, if, if Indy has a better quarterback, they're probably winning that game. They have the better O-line, the better running game, the better defense. So Buffalo, the X factor is Josh Allen. Uh, either him or Rogers winning MVP Rams beat the Seahawks 30 to 20. Uh, I'm on the camp that says, get rid of Pete Carroll. This happened to him at USC playbook gets old. He doesn't adapt. Look what happens. Seattle went, I mean, they couldn't score the last five, six, seven weeks of the season. Bucks beat Washington as expected 31 to 23, but a little bit concerning. They let Heineke, uh, kind of walk all over the place. Uh, you know, backup quarterback, you can, you can also attribute that to, you know, not having a scouting report, and whatever you want to say, but a little worrisome going into the New Orleans game. Baltimore beat Tennessee uh, on the pod last week. I picked Baltimore, and then while I was talking, then I switched to Tennessee. Probably should have stuck with my instincts. Baltimore won, better defense. Derrick Henry got completely shut down. Good for Lamar. The narrative's gone. I was saying it all year. He can win a playoff game. Now he did. We can get off his back for that, but now he's got to keep going. Saints beat the Bears. Don't need to talk about that. And then the Browns beat the Steelers. 48 to 37 uh, score looks a lot closer than it actually was. Everyone saw it. Browns were up 28, nothing. Then they started playing prevent defense and, you know, the Steelers caught up, blah, blah, blah. Browns crushed them as usual. The Steelers don't show up in the playoffs. And here we have it going into this week, divisional round. We've got Rams Packers on Saturday, Ravens bills. And then on Sunday we have Browns at chiefs and the bucks at the saints. So we'll start with CJ what did you think of uh, NFL wildcard weekend this past weekend? I thought it was awesome. Uh, I thought all the games were great. What it's what you, besides the bear saints game, that game was brutal to watch, but um, you know, it's like with, with wildcard weekend, you, you don't want there to be this insane gap uh, between teams. And it just shows like, like the parody uh, in the NFL. It's never going to be a league like the NBA um, or how let's say, baseball is or even european soccer it's just never going to be that way um because there's equal opportunity to get players there's equal loyalty from players and fan bases uh and it just it was all on display this weekend on how the nfl is just light years ahead of so many other leagues in terms of fairness and equality within the league between teams because you'll have the Buffalo Bills, which Buffalo, New York, isn't really a desirable place to go live. But guess what? They've got an unreal football team. Uh, the Green Bay Packers had a, buy, a, a week one bye. Who grows up and says, I can't wait to live in Green Bay, Wisconsin? You know what I mean? And it just shows you that, like, the NFL is just light years ahead of what it means to be on a team, what it means to be part of a fan base. And I thought it was all on display this week, this wild card weekend because, you know, you had teams like Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, like all these teams are just, you know, they've had great seasons and they were all very good games. It's not a team. It's not a league dominated by three or four teams and everybody else is just obsolete, you know? So I love that. I thought it was all on display this weekend and hats off to the Browns uh, this, this year when the dolphins haven't been involved or there hasn't been playoff implications for the dolphins with the coming from the Browns. I've been rooting for the Browns because Harrison Bryant from FAU and also because they've been bad for so long and so many people root against Baker Mayfield. And it's been, it was awesome to see them come out and just destroy Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, 
what a win that meant so much to that fan base. And it meant so much to ben, big Ben. Like I was sitting there telling you guys, I said, there's no way he hangs it up in his last career game is a loss at home to the Browns who he's lost to two times to like his whole career. So anyway, I thought wildcard weekend was outstanding. Every game was great and hats off to the Washington football team who definitely seems like they have a uh, bright future. Uh, before you go, Steve, forgot to pimp this out. FAU men's basketball playing tonight against FIU on ESPN Plus. Rivalry game. Make sure to check that out. Uh, so now you can go, Steve. Yeah, it was a great wildcard weekend. CJ hit all the points there. Uh, you know, I was sitting there watching. I think I watched every game uh, throughout. Uh, and uh, the, the one game that kind of really disappointed me was the Bears game. Uh, the officiating was horrendous. I think there wasn't a drive where there wasn't a flag thrown. <laughs> the Bears really kind of shot themselves in the foot with their play calling. Um, I think it was Wims that dropped that uh, flea flicker pass in the end zone. Um, would have changed the whole dynamic of that football game. I, the Bears had been up 10-7 going into half, and it was 7-3. The Bears kept it close. Four minutes left in the third quarter. The Bears were only down 7-3, and then I think the defense just got just gassed, and the Saints really – the floodgates opened for them. But um, all around, every game was competitive. The Bills game to kick off the weekend was was great. Phil Rivers and company kept it close. Uh, really, Josh Allen fumbles there at the end, and the, the Colts don't fall in it. I think we're, we're going to be talking about a whole different narrative if the Colts recover that fumble in plus territory there. So um, the Colts really – they play a tight game. The couple missed opportunities, missed field goal, missed extra point. Added up, they might have won that game 28-27. But Josh Allen uh, kept the boys uh, in line, and he really willed themselves to that win. And uh, Lamar Jackson, happy for him to finally get his first playoff win. Uh, it's, it's a competitor right there. I think I watched his, uh, his post-game interview, and he was like – and they try to draw it up as, oh, it was Derrick Henry versus Lamar Jackson. He goes, no, 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 it was the Ra- it was the Ravens versus the Titans. Our team came out to play. We wanted to win this game. We wanted to get the monkey off our back, and we got the job done. And I think if you're the Bills, you really got to come in here level-headed because um, I think the, the Ravens are out, out for blood. No one really believes in them. They think their defense isn't that good. Lamar Jackson, is he all that? Um, so it's going to be a really exciting matchup coming up uh, this this Saturday, Bills and, uh, and Ravens. And then – the Bucks. I gotta give them a shout out. First time in 13 years that I've seen a playoff win. It's been a long time coming. It was good to see it, even though it was against the Redskins. There was wasn't their best football, but they got the job done, and uh, you know move on to a battle this week against the Saints, the team that's handled them twice so far this season. And I uh, can't forget the Browns. Uh, it's good to see that fan base finally win something. You know that struggle for years and years, just being just awful. 0-16. You name it. Um, happy for them, happy for Baker Mayfield. Like CJ said, this guy gets trashed on everything he does, is watched, and he, he willed his team to, to a playoff victory. And now they go into – it's going to be a battle against the Chiefs, but no one's giving them a chance. I think if they keep that game close, uh, the Chiefs have played t- teams very tight all year. They, they barely beat the Falcons late in the season, took a late game heroics from the defense to stop them, them and Matt Ryan. So – I think if you're the if you're the Chiefs, you really got to come in here and not overlook your opponent here because the Chiefs, I'm mean, the the Browns, excuse me, can put a number up on you quick and they can create turnovers and make things happen. So it's going to be another great weekend of football, and I uh, can't wait. Well, yeah. Plus the the game against the Dolphins, like for, yeah. for the Chiefs, that was a game where I I mean, even as a diehard Fins fan, I wasn't expecting the Dolphins to really keep it too close because our offense is just so limited. But that was one of two of his best games. He threw for three touchdowns, ran for another. He created every score. We we lost thirty-one to twenty-eight, and they had the the Chiefs basically won off a late punt return touchdown, which Dolphin special teams that was very uncharacteristic of them to give up a punt return touchdown. Um, so the way I see it is, the Browns are like the genetic makeup of that team is so like perfect for the playoffs. Run the ball so well. The defense gets after the quarterback. They've got a stout, uh, a, a stout linebacking group, and they've got a, a head coach who just knows how to call the right plays. Really, the, the way I see it is, if Baker Mayfield basically doesn't turn the ball over, they're going to win almost every football game they're in because they can run the ball and they can play defense and get after the quarterback. And obviously, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, so they're an exception. It's like you can play the perfect game and the Chiefs will still win. But I think that this game is going to be severely close because I'm not sold on the Chiefs' run defense, 
and I'm most certainly not sold on the Chiefs underneath their pass coverage. Jarvis Landry chewed apart the Steelers, and I think it's going to happen again this weekend because Jarvis is just – he's perfect. He's perfect in that space between linebacker and safety and cornerback right in those areas, those flats, and make, Mayfield hits those on a dart. So I'm, that's my favorite game of this weekend. I'm very excited. Yeah, and they got they got the line at minus ten KC. I mean, I'd t- I'm taking the plus ten all day. This game's going to be close. Um, I mean, defense is better for Cleveland. Offensive lines probably better for Cleveland. Uh, running the game lines the best in the league, by the way. R- right, best in the league, uh, which is shocking, by the way. I mean, you bring in Tristan Wirf. No, 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 not Wirfs. They brought in uh, the guy from Bama, Jed- Jedrick Willis. Yeah, Jedrick Willis, right? So he he comes in, improves the line. They signed a free agent too. Uh, it's just great to see for the Browns organization. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think the Chiefs will win. You're right. I mean, you could play the perfect game. The Chiefs will still win. I've made the comparison all year. They're kind of like Golden State. Uh, you know, they know they're going to win, and when they have to put the gas on, they do. When they don't, they kind of just lay back, and they're like, you know what, we're the Chiefs. We're going to win one way or another. It's kind of how I see them. Uh, but with the Browns, you, you you just can't go into that game saying, oh, well, it's the Browns. No, I mean, this is going to be a really contested game. And I agree, this is my most anticipated game. Uh, but I will say, uh, Bucks Saints on Sunday night is going to be my second favorite because I really think Tampa can win this game. The toughest thing to do in football is to beat a team twice. Now you got to beat a team three times, and this time Tom Brady's on a roll. Brady, when they played them the other two times, the first game, everyone agrees. It's a wash. That's Brady's first game with a new team, a new system, new weapons, blah, blah, blah. Second time, that was when the Bucs were struggling a little bit. That was that stretch when they were playing the Rams, probably should have beat the Rams, and they were kind of just not clicking. Now the Bucs look like they're ready. They're here to do this. And I got to tell you, I'm not confident in Drew Brees right now. He can't throw the ball like he used to, and I think he's been getting away with playing some, I don't want to call bad teams, but he's been playing teams that they're better than, and he's able to kind of chew apart that defense with their system. Uh, it would be kind of shitty to see you know, Drew Brees – exit in a playoff loss. You know, everyone's saying in that clubhouse, uh, we we virtually expect Drew Brees to retire after the playoffs. So everyone's kind of rooting for him to go to the Super Bowl. But I really do think the Bucs have a chance. Steve, you're a Bucs fan. Uh, what do you think about this Sunday? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, there's a lot that's going into this game. You can look at it every which way. Uh, people on the outside looking in that aren't a fan, um, I think look at it and go, oh, they got blown out twice. And it's not going to be close. Well, like you said, Jacob, game one, new team, no preseason, trying to figure things out. And it, the result didn't go their way. Game two, I think they just laid an egg. They came out, play calling was just very suspect. They weren't running their offense that they're accustomed to, not throwing it short. They're throwing to Mike Evans five times deep, throwing to A.B. deep, just going for Hail Mary type plays and trying to get one score, 80-yard reception for a touchdown. That's not how this offense rolls. So, and I think, too, a little bit of the, the disrespect on the other side of, of the coin here. I think we're, Tom Brady kind of takes it personally a little bit. Look what happened with Washington. Oh, Tom Brady, I'm coming for you. Chase Young's out here talking. Oh, we're going to beat you guys. It's a guy that kind of puts a little chip on his shoulder and go, hey, you know what? You can talk all you want off the field. Let's go see in, in when, it, when it counts. And I think, too, with the Saints, what they did last game at home, dancing on the field, dancing in the locker room, Jameis eating the W. I'm telling you, he wants the Saints. I think he wants them bad, and I think it's a perfect matchup because the Bucs are playing a better football. And I, I think when they were playing the Chiefs and the Rams and the Saints in that stretch, they were playing probably the worst football, and I'm like, this team might not make the playoffs. But yep. now they're rolling. Ronald Jones is feeling it. They're giving the ball to A.B. They're giving the ball to all these guys in the offense, and the defense, I think that's the biggest question mark going into Sunday's game is can the defense stop – the Saints offense. They dink and dunk a lot with Kamara and Michael Thomas. Can you stop that and make them beat you over the top and not just kind of chip away your defense on long drives? And I think if the Bucs can do that, they'll they'll win this football game. Like like you said, it's a, it's tough to beat a team three times in one season. It's not going to be easy. I think this will be one game that could be a shootout, uh, high 30s, maybe 42, 38, something like that crazy. But um, buckle up. It's, I think this is going to be one of the better games all weekend. Um. I think for me with this game is the Saints obviously looked better last week and they played a better opponent. Now, I'm not saying the Bears are, are anything crazy special, but they have a they have technically I would say a better defense than Washington. 
although Washington's defense is very good and has all the makings to be very good going forward. I think the Bears' defense is better than Washington. Um, I, I guess the way I see it is this game will will go for the Saints the way Breeze wants it to go uh, or, or the, the way Breeze will, will play. So if Breeze is having a – not a vintage Breeze performance, but – a good breeze performance. I believe that this game will be a Saints win. But if he plays below par, which I would below average, which I haven't really seen a crazy like Drew Brees performance this year, where I was like, oh my god, Drew Brees. I, I feel like the the Bucks will probably win this game. So the way I see it is the Bucks need to not play down to their opponent. They need to play. They need to play up to their standards. And I know this is a game that you get up for. Like we're like you know what I'm not losing to the Saints three straight times, but. The thing is, is the way I see the Bucks play last week against Washington, it's like we constantly allow teams to, to hang. And the Bucks are a t- or the Saints are a team that if you let them hang, you get up early in the game, you let them hang around and you don't crush them, you're not it's not gonna work out. So I don't know what I would pick for this game, but I'm sorry, Steve. I would like to see Drew Brees get his tenth playoff win. And then after that, I don't care if Drew Brees loses, but he's at nine. I want him to I want him to get to ten. All right, I'm all, I'm I'm with it because everyone's on the Saints wagon, and I mean it's it, it's it's in the Buck. I think everything's playing towards the Bucks' favor too. No Devin White last week either. No Ronald Jones, and they still found a way to win. I, I thought Fournette played well. He played well, but I think Ronald Jones is there every down back. He can catch out of the backfield, but I just think this game's gonna be a battle. I think whoever wins this football game, it's not gonna be two possessions. It's gonna be a field goal game. I don't know. It just it, the game makes me nervous just because it's the Saints and they have our number. But I don't know. It's going to be a battle till the end, I think. And this, everyone wants everyone wants to see Drew Brees golf. It reminds me when Peyton Manning finished his career and he won a Super Bowl. But um, hopefully that same ref that referee crew is not in that ref like in that game Sunday because they were god awful. We all can agree on that one. I'm they gonna brutal. I'm gonna make my pick now for that game. Tom Brady. I don't believe loses to a team three times in the in a year, so I'm gonna go Bucks off on a Brady vintage drive down the field field goal win, Bucks. I'm going Bucks too. I might lay a hammer on the Saints just to just to throw off some mojo here. Just throw a hundred bombs. Well, then at that point, if the Bucks lose, like you hate the fact that they lost, but then you but at then, least you know you win either way. Saints. So it went. Yeah, exactly. Wow, Steve, Steve being a little sneaky there, trying to get that that win in there. All right, so we got Rams Packers. Um, this game's kind of the least interesting one for me. You know whether Ram, uh, whether golf is okay or not. Uh, I just don't see them winning this game. Packers are the number one seed. They can score on anything. I mean, the, I mean, you give Aaron Rodgers the ball. You, you say, okay, you need to score a touchdown right now. He's going to score a touchdown. That's how this offense has been all year. Uh, now. I completely flopped in the beginning of the year saying the Packers weren't even going to make the playoffs. Then they go, of course, and get the number one seed, uh, and they're probably going to win a playoff game. But I, I, I really don't even see this game being close. The, yeah, the, I mean, the way is, is if Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey play well, but is Donald even playing? Is he okay from last week? Yeah, they're, they're both, I'm pretty sure they're both playing. But, I I mean, look, it's just the, the offense for the Rams just seems to be – a little like like the quarterback like you know Wolford hurt then Goff is still recovering from the surgery if this has to be a shootout and Aaron Rodgers has this lights out game can one of the quarterbacks keep up I don't think so so the the defense is gonna have to have another game like they did last week where they completely neutralized a top five quarterback Russell Wilson can they do it to the MVP of this year Aaron Rodgers I don't know but I would for sure go the Packers I, I think the Packers are actually going to be the NFC the, the team representing the NFC in the Super Bowl, uh, personally. I like the Rams. I really Ooh. do. I'm taking them straight up in this game, betting-wise, too. I just like that defense a straight whole up, lot. Straight like, up, like you would take the money line. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the money line. Rodgers off a bye after what you've seen this year. You would just go – you would just say straight up Rams. I just like the defense. I like the Rams' defense a whole lot. I think they really kind of disrupted the Seahawks' game plan going into into Saturday. Uh they got some points off turners at pick six, but they gave themselves a chance. And I think if they can disrupt Aaron Rodgers, that timing of that offense, I think the Rams legitimately have a chance in this in this football game. I, I really think because like everyone's giving the green, everyone's giving kudos to Green Bay, and, and rightfully so. They're thirteen and three this year. They they can move the ball well. They last time on prime time, they just dismantled the Titans and they made it look really easy. 
But I really think if the defense can come out, get pressure on him, make things you know, complicated up front, I really like the Rams' chance. And I think Goff giving him more time to heal with his hands. Um, I, I like the way that uh, Sean McVay can like, – he can dice it up a little bit if he wants to. And if he goes tempo in this game, uh, he puts some points up. I think this will be a low-scoring football game. I think 23-20, something around that lines. But I just like the Rams' defense to, to keep it close and keep it competitive. But uh, if it goes the, the, the Packers' way, I think it's a close field goal game either way. But um, I think this is going to be a good one as well. I mean, when you really do think about it, though, you know, you got Jalen Ramsey, the Packers really only I mean, it's Devontae Adams. After that, the receiver talent kind of goes way down. If Jalen Ramsey can lock up Devontae Adams, who knows? I mean, because that could happen. Jalen Ramsey's still a top five corner, so he could be totally locked down. And by the way, uh, I texted Adiel, do the Bucks win this week? Uh, and all, he said, of course. Uh, so I had to get uh, his input in there. Uh, but yeah, if if Ramsey can lock down Adams, then it's between Rodgers throwing to kind of lesser targets and Aaron Jones, and then you have Aaron Donald for that. So it, it really could end up being closer than a lot of people think. And too, last week, uh, a player we haven't seen really all year perform for the Rams was Cam Akers. He had a yeah. great game last week, 28 carries, 20 attempts for 131 with one touchdown. So if he can – if Cam Akers can go out and and they can find success running the football, then I think you're the Rams are in a great spot to win the football game. Their defense can show up and they can run the football. But if it's one dimensional, then I think it could be a bloodletting. Then I think ten, you make the Rams throw the football, keep everything underneath. Then I think Green Bay uh, has them right where they want them. But if the Rams come out like they did last week, can run the football, defense shows up, it's going to be a nail biter. Yeah, and uh, Adiel just added something else. He said, uh, "You and CJ the Dolphin need to stop hating on my man Steven. Go Bucks!" Hey, he doesn't even know you're the only one who didn't pick the Bucks. Yeah, what are you? Like, I don't <laughs> I think said the Bucks. No one's hating on the Bucks. I think we're just all just. <laughs> Dude, that's Adiel, man. Like he's just randomly like, "We'll just text us, stop hating." And I'm like, "What? What am I hating on? I'm sitting here." But then if they lose, if they lose, you'd be like, "Oh, uh, Brady's old." You know, you know, it's just the Bucks aren't there. I'm like, yeah, okay, hypocrite. Who me? Yeah. No, Adiel. I'm saying, yeah, like, dude, yeah, Adiel is the ultimate. Lose, you'd be like, see, I told you, bro. They were old. They were old. They couldn't do it. They need a new quarterback. Like, what? He's a politician, the ultimate flip flopper. <laughs> that's that's a great compare. Yeah, the Adiel, the politician. Yeah, uh, Adiel, but, the politician. Now I'm CJ the <laughs> Dolphin. That's Adiel, the politician. Oh my God! Uh, all right, so we got Ravens Bills. Uh, on Saturday as well, minus two and a half line Buffalo. Um, I have a bad feeling about this game for Buffalo. I really feel like Baltimore's on some sort of wave here. Lamar, again, uh, everyone knows I hate on Lamar a lot. I wouldn't call it hate. I just like to dumb down the hype a little bit. He played better than I've ever seen him play against the Titans. I get it. Their defense is kind of Swiss cheese. Uh, but at the same time, Lamar was running all the thing. The thing that I was most impressed about with Lamar this weekend he was a game manager. He looked mature. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He wasn't just doing random stuff. And, and, and last year in the playoffs, it was kind of just like, let's put things together, you know, and figure out things on the go. He looked prepared last week and you're going into Buffalo. They played Indy tight. I mean, Baltimore's defense finally showed up against Tennessee last week. They shut down Derrick Henry. Buffalo doesn't even have a run game. So they don't even have a run game to shut down. I mean, I like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, no offense, but they're not Derrick Henry. So they're going to have an easier time, I think, shutting that down. Matthew Judon played incredibly well last week on the D-line for uh, Baltimore. McPhee played incredibly well. Uh, then you have the corners. You have Calais Campbell. You got all these guys. Josh Allen might have some trouble this weekend. I'm actually going Baltimore on the road. I think they're going to take it. Yeah, it's not a bad pick by any stretch. I think this game's going to be really close. I think every single game we're going to watch this weekend is going to be within one possession. Uh, we saw it last weekend as well. I think the only game that was two scores was the Bears game. The Bucs was two, but it was like a late score. But So I count that as one possession. But I, I really think that the the Ravens found something there in that game against the Titans. The going wasn't – they got down 10 nothing. It wasn't easy. They had to fight and claw to get to find some rhythm. Lamar Jackson found open space. They gave him room to run. He found his receivers at times, and the offense was clicking. At, at certain times of that game, they could move the ball for, like, the last 
The last time they faced each other in the playoffs, they could not move the football whatsoever. Lamar was turning the ball over. He had one bad pick early in that game, but then he bounced back and I think was forgot about it, was level ahead of the rest of the game. Ravens defense showed up as well, and they kept Derrick Henry within 50 rushing yards. I mean, that was phenomenal. And I think if they can do, they can replicate that formula. I think the Bills are in trouble if they if they can't find something going on offense for themselves. This is a huge test for Josh Allen, though. If he wins, he's even more legit than I thought before. So I I personally am going to stray away from you guys here on this one. I do believe Lamar Jackson is determined. I believe that it'll be a closer game, right? I believe that the Bills got their playoff monkey off their back last week because the week the, the year before they should have beat the Deshaun Watson and the Texans. If you guys remember that, they should yeah. have won that. So now it's okay. We now have what they were. They went like what 26, 23 years, something like that without a playoff win. Yeah. Um, they got that last week. Now I feel like that pressure of them performing and getting that win is off their back and they're a little bit more comfortable to get the second game in a row at home. They, they've been in the playoff situation. They get their fans back again I think that the Bills are going to win this game. I think it'll. I think they'll win by more than a field goal. I do. I. I, I just don't. I, I'm not a big fan of the Ravens. Um, the Ravens defense. I believe that they just don't show up at times. And if they even are remotely not good this this week, you know Josh Allen's going to just tear them apart. And McDerm- Sean McDermott's a good enough coach to where he's going to make sure that Lamar Jackson has to beat you by throwing it. It's going to be cold. There might be snow. Who knows? So I think I'm going to go Bills by more than three. All right. So those are our NFL playoff picks. Uh, let's do a quick review here on the national championship. Alabama won. Devontae Smith uh, had more total yards than Ohio State at half. Uh, Heisman winner. Everyone saw on national television why he deserved it. Um, so Bama blew out. We all know it. Uh, okay. This is what I wanted to talk about though. I just saw before we hopped on this pod, the championship ratings tanked this year, uh, like way down. And so we were talking about this two, three weeks ago. People don't care as much anymore with the way that this is formatted. Everyone basically, I mean, you could have your theories and be like, Oh, Ohio state for the upset. Everyone knows in the back of their head, even if you say Ohio state's going to win just to be fun, uh, you know, Alabama is going to come in and blow you out. That's just what, what always happens. So no one watched and they need a new format quick. I saw Clat uh, go on YouTube, look it up, people on Colin Coward show. Clat went on yesterday, I believe he revealed his 14 team playoff uh, format. And I thought it was pretty ingenious. He said, get rid of divisions in, in the conferences so that we can have real conference championships, get rid of the committee, go back to the BCS format, have a group of five champion be as one of the seeds of the 14. I think that's the best thing that college football can do at this point because bowl games are irrelevant, like CJ has pointed out for weeks, and nobody's watching even the championship anymore. College football has got to do something. So the thing is, though, is the bowl games are irrelevant for Power 5 schools that like just they just don't care anymore because they didn't make their conference championship and they lost their conference championship. Like, like when, when Dan Mullen, who's just – I don't like that guy one bit. That guy sucks. Anyway, Dan Mullen goes, um, oh, we, you know, this wasn't, this, you know, we didn't really, we didn't need to play our game, this game. Our season ended last week or whatever after getting blown out by Oklahoma. I'm like, dude, seriously. I'm so sick and tired of those quotes. But the thing is, is for a group of five teams, like the FAUs, the Memphises, the UCFs, BYU, like those games, the, they, those teams get up for those games. It's like, hey, it's a chance to prove ourselves on a, on ESPN. It's a chance to prove ourselves out of the conference. So, but I agree, this whole, this, whole, this whole format sucks. I was actually very surprised to have seen the ratings tank as low as they did. I'm sure that people weren't as interested because everyone's like, oh, Bama's going to win it this year. I mean, you know, hats off to Bama. They constantly have a great program. But, yeah, there's something really wrong with what's going on. Uh, and I, it's, it makes me believe that we need to go back to the BCS format. I think that we need to go we – we almost need to go – Actually, I, I shouldn't say we need to go back to the BCS format, but I just don't find I don't find this playoff system to be anything that was revolutionary from what we were doing. Because for no. the most part, since we since we have gone to the playoff, what has it been? Seven years? Yeah, uh, since oh my God, seven years. Jeez. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Six years. Six years that we've been doing the playoff. Almost every single year, Alabama, Clemson. Oklahoma or Ohio State. Just the combination of those three teams, four teams, are always in it. 
like it's getting old. It's getting very old. And and the thing is, is it's not even a. It's like these these playoff committee guys are. They feel like they're just like, well, we feel like Ohio State's better this year than Texas A and M. We feel like Notre Dame is better than Texas A and M. We feel like Notre Dame's better than Cincinnati. I'm sorry, man, but you saw the way Cincinnati played Georgia. Cincinnati would have, would have been a legitimate team to be in the top four. That team. You saw the way great. Texas A and M played UNC. You the UNC had a really good team this year. Yeah. Texas A&M would have been a big, big time. Like, okay, we got a we got a new horse. So, anyway, Jacob, I agree. There's something really wrong here. The ratings tanked, and that's never a good sign. And if that's not a wake up call, I'm very happy that that the America, the American public, decided, hey, we're we're just not going to watch it this year. We know what's going on because that's the biggest. Like, hey, you guys need to change stuff because if if the ratings were even better or the same, then they're sitting there like, well, why do we need to change anything? We still get the money. We still get the revenue. We still get exactly. The, you know I mean, but now it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to get people back interested in the, in the college football postseason. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the only problem I had with collapse form, I was talking to my friend Tyler this morning uh, when I beat him in mini golf by 25 shots. Uh, he, he was like, the only problem I see with Clats plan is that, uh, the, the season would probably run too late with a 14 team playoff format. They have the rules that players can't play during finals, but I, I just think any way you can expand the playoff. I think the most brilliant part of it is getting the group of five involved and getting a group of five champion because then people like us, we don't have to sit watching a season. that's going to be irrelevant every year. Let's just be honest. FAU is going to be irrelevant every single year because they're never going to make the playoffs. But if they start, if there's a 14 seed, and you get a group of five champion, there's motivation for FAU. So it, it helps the entirety of college football. I hope it happens. And, uh, you know, a good comparison Clap made as well. He was like, you know, college football kind of reminds me of uh, America before they signed the Constitution. He was like, it's 13 colonies. There's no overbearing body. And they all kind of do whatever they want. They need someone in the middle there that's going to direct. I mean, Alabama next year, they're playing Mercer. I mean, this is getting a little ridiculous we need balanced schedules, real divisions, conference realignment, new playoff format. There needs to be a total rehaul all of, the, of all the conferences in the divisions are are equally set. Uh, I, well, don't, I I would I argue find, with the Big Ten. The Big Ten's a little ridiculous. Wait, no, it's the Big combat, Twelve. The way you combat all this, like you said, the same teams going in and out. Well, here's the thing: if Alabama ran the table and they played an Oregon or they played a, a a Clemson to start the year, let's say. And these teams run the table and they play those great out-of-conference opponents. Good for them. They deserve to be in. But what you're seeing is you're seeing Oklahoma going and playing like uh, Iowa Central or you're seeing Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame, I'll give them credit. They do play an independent schedule. They do play teams. They just don't show up when it matters. Uh, I mean, Clemson even. They're playing like Citadel. They're playing SC Upstate. You've got to make these teams go play real opponents. And that's how you combat this issue. In Cincinnati next year and goes to Indiana, they go to Notre Dame. So if that team runs the table next year of Cincinnati, I don't want to hear how they don't play anybody and they get left out. And if they get well, left and out. And that, that's what annoys me too. It's like Cincinnati has to prove that by going through the gauntlet. Nobody else does. If you're one of the big teams, you don't have to prove to anybody that you're good. Like CJ said, oh, we feel Ohio State's better. Well, that's BS and it needs to change. So well, the nightmares, the, the nightmare scenario for, for college football is when Alabama is ranked number one and yep. they play a good SEC team middle of the year, like an Auburn, LSU, who is ranked but not within the top five or the top seven, right? They lose, they have dropped two and spots. Then they lose and they drop a few spots. And since they have lost, they will not be in the SEC championship game some other team will get in because they've ran the table and now you have bama who's not in the sec championship game ranked at four everybody knows that bama is a top four team in the country at any time but how are you going to put a, a bama team in like this is a scenario because it's happened before how are you going to put a, a bama team in that did not play for their for their championship game and has a loss in the in the, the top four when you have a Cincy who's ran the table has some decent quality wins they're, they're ranked five or six or you can have an A and M or or you or you have uh, let's say an Iowa State it doesn't whatever it is those are the nightmare scenarios and that's why it's becoming absolute BS because it's well we feel like Bama is better than these teams we'll stop with the whole feel thing look at the record look who played more games look who played the conference championship game look who ran the table and they're supposed to be in. They're in. 
That's the biggest problem. And until they expand, we're going to run into this problem every single year because we would have ran into it this year with the Clemson thing in the Notre Dame. If one of the, if yeah, like I was saying, um, we almost ran into that kind of a problem this year with Clemson and Notre Dame who Clemson lost Notre Dame won, then Notre Dame lost. And then it's like, we're sitting there and we're like, Oh, let's have them both be in the playoff and play again. It's just, it just, it becomes just a huge problem because it feels like other fan bases in other colleges are just almost discriminated against in this format where, you know, you know, even Joel Klatt, who I, I really like Joel Klatt, he decided to put Cincinnati off of his top 10 going into next season, right? And yeah. then you had Colin Coward say, no, not Cincinnati and Coastal and your 16-team playoff thing. I'm yeah, there's all this discrimination. It's like, stop. It's like, you're, I'm sitting there and I'm saying Cincinnati would beat, I would say 75%. Actually, probably this team, this Cincinnati this past year would have beat 85% of the, the power five. They would have, they would oh, have yeah. beat 85% of the and you're And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know when they're just going to give up this whole thing. It's just ridiculous. Like I, I just, if next year, if it's the same four teams again, or, is it, or three or because basically the way it felt this year was it was predetermined. Ohio state was going to get in no matter how many games they played. They broke the rule as to how many games that they could play to get into the conference championship game. And they had to redo the rule to have Ohio State playing it. That's when you know this whole thing is just ridiculous. They want to have the same three schools and then a, and then a fourth revolving door of Oklahoma and Notre Dame. And it's ridiculous. It really is. Yeah, and maybe one year they'll throw in a Washington just to say that they're inclusive to the Pac-12 just to make things happy. Yeah, I mean, it's just things need to change, period. So um, hockey started last night. My Rangers are on tonight. This is my opening night. Uh, I watched all the games last night, or most of them. Like the 10 o'clock ones, I kind of tuned out because I was already watching for five hours at that point. But uh, there there were some good games. Some of the things we were talking about on the hockey pod were coming true a little bit. We were kind of on track. I know it's one game, but we were talking about these teams and some of the things were coming true. Uh, Siege, you never came – you know, we we did those hockey pods. You weren't on them. We got to get some of your opinions here. Who are your big contenders? And remember – uh, since we might not have ca- uh, big hockey fans on here, more for the casual ones this year, uh, the playoff format, uh, th- basically what they're doing is if you're top four in your division, you're in the playoffs, and then you only face your division in the playoffs until you get out. So it's basically four teams. So it's 1v4, 2v3 in your own division, and then you go and you play the other division. So uh, that's how it's working this year. Totally different format. Um, so who are your big contenders this year in the uh, NHL? Well, obviously I would have the, I would have the lightning. Uh, I think the lightning are going to be great this year. Uh, I actually, I I think Philly is going to be good this year again. Uh, I think they showed, you know, what they're about last night. I know they gave up three, but everybody gives up a bunch of goals at the beginning of the year. Um, I think the Rangers will have a, a above average. Sorry about that. An above average year. I, I can see them being I, I can see them being like America's fun team this year with with Panarin and Capo Keco, uh, Alexis Lafreniere. I think that they can be a fun team to watch, uh, especially with some added pieces. Uh, and then if I were to go over to, I guess, what is technically the West? Uh, I really like this year um, Vancouver to be good. I think Vancouver is going to be good this year. And I believe that the Blues uh are gonna have a great year and then the abs so i would say about six of those like i I named about six teams that i feel like are a legitimate threat to the trophy i've probably missed a couple just because you know um i need to get back into the the rest of the league but uh, i i've known enough after reading that i know that those teams will definitely be in the playoffs uh and then for my panthers i believe i know that i'm a homer and i know i'm going to sound like a total homer here but this team is a classic Joel, Joel Quenville team, there's just enough scoring and a ton of skating depth, a ton of speed, and a lot of forechecking. I, we're going to be a way harder play, and they 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 got rid of Matheson. They're actively getting rid of Keith Yandel. Those were the those were some of the those two guys were I feel like were responsible for so many missed opportunities this year, points wise. Losing to the Islanders, they added in harder nosed defensemen. I'm excited. I think Bobrovsky's very happy with, with what happened. I think he's a bounce back here. I think the Panthers squeak in for a wild card. 
But yeah. yeah, that's my NHL outlook. I'm very excited that it's back. And I think that they've done an awesome job getting the camps going, getting everybody back. And hopefully there's not many canceled games. Yeah, that motherfucker Matheson cost me two goals last night. And they <laughs> en route to a Flyers win. Guy takes a horrible penalty and screens his own, goal, his own goaltender. Like, you all made a great, like, Pittsburgh. I don't know what they were doing that move, but – Panthers unload that guy, liability. If you get rid of Yandel, then you can fix the defensive woes. Everyone gives Ekblad a hard time, but at least you can move the puck around the zone and can cycle. Kind of physical, too. So I'm, yeah. I agree. the Panthers every year, too, are, are they're, they're right on the cusp of being a playoff team and being right over the edge. I think for them, it's defense because they can score goals flat out. It's defense and goaltending for them. If they can find that some constant there, that team is a legit threat, I think, because they can – I watched them. They put the lightning four times a year, but now it's going to be eight. They can score. They're quick. They move the puck around, and I think they, they're, they're going to be right there and surprise a lot of teams this year. Well, you know, like people people really forget that Joe Quenville in his time has only missed the playoffs four times in his career. He's been coaching since the 90s. That's very impressive. And they they lost Dadanov and Hoffman, which were goals, but they added in Duclair on the, on the top – Ver, Verhey, Verhey, I don't know. Yeah, he he was he's a, he was a Lightning player who they were very high on, and he got a good contract down here in Florida. Uh, and I will tell you, Joel Quenville, after every single practice, has spoken so highly of him. And uh, I think that they've got two very good lines going right now. When you when you think about it, Verhey, Verhagi, or whatever, however you say it, Barkov, Duclair, that's an unreal line in my opinion. And then they've actually slotted Huberto on line two with Hornquist and Tippett. I forgot really? about Hornquist. Well, well, sorry, it's Hornquist and uh, Wenberg. And then the other, then the, the bottom line is uh, Luce Derine and, and Tippett, which, dude, I like, I think this is great. And Ekblad and Weger, I think, are going to have great years. Anyway, I think this team will go as far as Bobrovsky goes. Is if Bobrovsky and the defense have a, a you know a different year than last year this team will be in the playoffs i think comfortably because barkov and huberto score when they want hornquist is going to create a, a ton of space for 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 both those guys and wreak havoc so i don't know i have them over the 53 and a half point mark which is what or 63 and a half point mark which is what vegas had them at and the way i see it is vegas has them ba- basically being either a point out or a point in at the end of the season and they're usually right so It'll be a it'll be a very exciting season. Uh, Steve and I's division are the Rangers in? Um, no, they're they're in the East with uh, Boston and all those guys. Tampa's with uh, Chicago and Columbus Dallas. and Detroit. It's a weird division. Oh, Dallas yeah. Canadian teams are all in one division this year, which is yeah. crazy. Steve and I's division is very doable this year. Yeah, that's uh, a cakewalk. Honestly, it's not a cakewalk. It's not a cakewalk. well. It, it's the I would say it's the second easiest of the four. I think well, it, it's there. There's a lot of grinded out teams in, in ours, which they can yeah. be pesky, annoying. Like I would yeah. love to just be in a division full of Toronto Maple Leaf t- style teams because they're cakewalk teams to play against. Like they're going to score a few goals, but you know that by the third period, you're going to out check them and they're going to be ready to go back to the locker room. You're which we don't have that. Yeah. Co- playing Columbus eight times a year, that team just grinds you out. They have good goaltending. You're going to be playing a lot, of, a lot of two to one games. And then, I mean, there's some given points. Like you're playing Detroit eight times a year, playing Chicago eight times. I mean, that's, I mean, in that stretch, you should only lose three games. And then you look at even Nashville can play grinding defense too. So it's not a cakewalk by any stretch, but I think that it's like CJ said, it's very doable. And you could, if you play uh, sound hockey, you'll, you'll find yourself in the top four in that division. Absolutely. And, yeah, uh, and uh, lastly, real quick, uh, there's a lot of reports about uh, Pierre uh, Luc Dubois from the from the Columbus Blue Jackets. He actually told the Blue Jackets and Tortorella today that he will not play for them uh, this season. So that trade will probably go down within the next few days. The Murphy, that insider, Murphy's Law, that guy, uh, he basically said that there's two teams that are doing the bidding. Uh, the Panthers, who Bill Zito came over from the Blue Jackets and Perfect. drafted Dubois. He was very instrumental in drafting him. And then the Devils. Those are the two teams right now that are basically in the race to get Dubois. Uh, if the Panthers got Dubois, that would be something else. That would be very, very, very good. Because you would have Barkov, Dubois, Wenberg down the middle for your top three lines. And that would be something else. So that's something to look at. Yeah, and the one thing I have to say about Dubois, and you, you can look at his stat line, he's 22 years old, six foot three, number three overall pick. Uh, 
he's kind of gone down offensively. I kind of attribute that to Tortorella kind of restricts offensive players. A lot of offensive players after a few years, they're like, I want to get out of here and be able to do what I actually want to do. Um, because you know, you, you know, Tortorella, it's all about the four check. It's all about the physicality, the blocking shots, the defensive minded game. Some forge just like, get me out of here. I want to be scoring goals. Uh, but the thing about Dubois, uh, my dad and I actually talked about on strictly Rangers. Cause there was a little bit of a rumor of Dubois going to the Rangers, um, which it's not going to happen, but uh, I don't necessarily like Dubois coming out and saying, I want a bigger stage. Uh, who are you to say that, you know, you're 22, You've never scored 60 points. You've never won anything. Like, what makes you deserving of a bigger state? Like, if you're 22 and you've got an ego like that and you've never been a top player, kind of rubs me the wrong way, um, especially because the, Pan- the Panthers are going to have to give up a lot for him. I mean, this is a former number three overall pick. They might have to give up the Sorellas and maybe one other pro player. Maybe they could throw – I don't think they could get Yand- away with getting uh, Yandel away in that trade. That would be kind of a fleece. Uh, you know, if you're getting Dubois and getting rid of Yandel, but the well, Panthers, no, the Panthers would send stuff. picks. The Panthers would send picks, and they have a couple prospects. What I okay. do know is that Bill Zito is is he he means business in the trades. He actually like like think about this. He was able to give away Matheson and get Hornquist in return. Yeah, I don't so, know how that happened. So don't ever underestimate Bill Zito. Like he got Matheson out of Pitts uh, of of Florida and got back a guy that is a leader in the locker room creates havoc and will score some goals that like like that is alone unbelievably impressive so who knows and and plus bill zito came over from columbus he's got a lot of relationships over there dubois says he wants out so his trade value is so little now well not little because he's got he's on contract but he but by saying i will not play for columbus columbus is in a dire position to trade him before the season goes on too long because it's going to be a whole locker room issue and God only knows what. So I think the, the Panthers would send a, or send a draft pick or two or some prospects in Yandel and you're like, give us Dubois. Boom. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I hope it happens. So uh, let's bring in Mark Papaleo here. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA. Uh, the James Harden trade obviously went down last week. Uh, he's connecting to his audio. What's up, Mark? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, we're here with CJ and Steve. Uh, we're going to talk about that Harden trade now. So uh, I have a lot to say about this. I saw it go down. I was saying it three, four weeks ago. I was like, what are we doing here? Why is Brooklyn thinking about doing this, getting rid of their young players? I thought, you know, picks would be involved. It ended up being that way. But I didn't think they'd be giving up Jared Allen, who's one of their bright young centers. Now you just have an aged up DeAndre Jordan out of his prime. You give up Levert, who's a great young player, plays multiple positions. He's gone. Dinwiddie's out probably until the playoffs or a little bit before that. So now Brooklyn has no bench. They gave away, I think, eight total picks, or they gave away four picks and then gave them four other picks that moved them up. So it was a total of eight picks in the transaction. And they get Harden back, who the second he doesn't want to be somewhere, he turns into a whiny little girl you know, grows, gains 10, 15, 20 pounds, whatever he gains, creates havoc in the locker room. He doesn't play defense. What was the Nets' biggest problem? They don't play defense, and you get a guy who's anti-defense. And now you have Kyrie walking around. There's a report yesterday his feelings are hurt because, uh, oh, uh, they hired Steve Nash without telling me. Uh, I mean, Kevin Durant should have stayed in Golden State. We'll get to that part in a second. But, Mark, what was your first reaction to this James Harden trade? Um, at first, I was kind of like shook that it happened, but I, I kind of felt it was coming in the next couple of days with the whole uh, fallout of Houston. You know, when he he came to the press conference and said, you know, he is it's not going to work anymore. So I felt that was gonna that was coming, and sure enough, it happened maybe a couple hours later. Um, it kind of broke my phone because my phone wasn't working, and I and I leave my house to, and my four G connects. And I get the breaking news that James Harden is now a Brooklyn net. But I, I knew it was sooner or later that was he was going to be moved. Um, it, I knew it was either Brooklyn or Philadelphia. I know Miami, uh, Houston was asking for a lot from Miami. They were asking for a package with Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Picks, um, other young players like Casey Okapala was going to be in that trade. And Pat Riley was just using his brain. Why would I trade? all of these young pieces that I was just two games in the final way from winning a championship with 
for an aging star that doesn't play defense, that has issues with other stars. We've seen in the past, I mean, he had Chris Paul, who's a Hall of Fame, first ball Hall of Fame point guard, and he couldn't figure it out with him. So, I mean, Brooklyn gave up a lot, but Brooklyn jumped on the opportunity to win a championship because we've seen that you need three stars to win this league in the past, especially when LeBron's playing at the level he is with Anthony Davis over there in L.A., so we've seen the Warriors have to build, you know, have to have that other superstar to get Kevin Durant to beat LeBron. You know, when they signed Kevin Durant, he was literally just there to guard LeBron and score, which is what he did. But when it comes to James Harden, I mean, Brooklyn has a huge question mark under uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is not happy with the team, with the Steve Nash hiring which is a huge, you know, out of nowhere, this happened. Like, why are you upset like that they, they hired a Hall of Famer as your coach? Like, what, what's wrong with that? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to why he's upset. Um, apparently, his relationship with Kevin Durant is in question. So, I feel like this James Harden trade was a move to cover that up, to, you know, you know, cover the Brooklyn Nets' butt when it comes to, you know, on the court. If Kyrie's not there, now you have another piece in James Harden who is going to make a huge, you know, impact on how they play. It's going to, I mean, it's going to come down to the Brooklyn Nets and, and the Bucks in the East, it seems like, as of right now. So we'll see what happens with that. But, I mean, I'm going to take a team with the three superstars, you know, if if all is going smooth, which it doesn't appear to be. It's, yeah, I think it is going to be a mess in Brooklyn. But I think when you have a chance to make that kind of a deal, when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving there and you see this is your window and you're not giving up all these young superstars like a team like Miami would have, and you're looking for that next step, and I guess that's what Brooklyn did. And, you know, I don't think it's going to prove well for them in the long run. I don't think they'll get a championship. But um, for a team like Houston – I think Houston won the deal. I think Indiana became a huge winner in the deal, getting rid of Oladipo and all his trouble in Indiana and getting Karis LeVert back, who's going to be – who's going to flourish, I feel like, in Indiana this year. So we'll see what happens for sure. Yes, yeah, CJ, what, what yeah. was your reaction to this? Well, basically the Brooklyn Nets sold the franchise to, to Houston. So when this whole thing is, is, is over and done with, I mean, I'm sure – like obviously – the Brooklyn Nets have an unreal roster. I don't know how they're all going to mesh on the floor at the same time, but what you've done here is you've basically in these tough conference finals games, because I'm sure they'll get to the conference finals at the very least, but in these tough playoff runs that, that you go on, it's, you know, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, they all are going to need a break at some point. And you have two, two, like you have three bona fide MVP caliber stars that can come in and command the floor and have the other two sit or have one of them sit. And then you have a constant revolving door of just fresh MVP legs coming off the bench. And that's going to wear down so many teams. When you, when you watch the the heat, they always had like, they always had like when they had Bosch Wade and LeBron, they always had two on the floor and then one would sit and then they would constantly rotate and it just wore teams down like on the, on those playoff runs. So look, the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, that roster is good enough for a finals run this year and for however long, that they're going to have these players and they're always going to be in the mix to win a title, which is what you want to be in. Um, but the aftermath of this, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be just so in trouble because of all the picks, all, all like everything that they traded away is just like, those are the, the groundwork of franchises. I don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. Like as Mark was saying, he's become a bit of an issue. Uh, I don't really know what's going on in that guy's head and I don't want to make any assumptions because I don't want to sound mean if something comes out that he's dealing with God only knows what, but it's becoming a problem. I mean, yeah, like the whole Steve Nash thing and like Kyrie Irving wouldn't acknowledge the fact that they have a coach and then just, you know, this, that, and this, and then Harden himself can be a bit toxic. I think like, in my opinion for the Nets, I didn't think they needed Harden uh, unless they really felt like Kyrie Irving and their relationship was falling off because Kevin Durant looks that good. He looks again, like the best scorer in the league in terms of like all facets of the floor. Um, but in, I mean, look, I would love to see a Nets versus Lakers finals. I think that'd be fun. I'm a huge heat fan, but I don't know if the heat have the firepower anymore to, to, to deal with a, a Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they matched up well against the bucks, but the Nets are just a whole different beast. I mean, I don't know how you, 
can cover all three of those guys who are basically required to be double. Um, but something else I guess to look at is uh, Oladipo is basically already re- requesting a trade uh, from, from Houston and he's requesting a trade to Miami. So there's still some fallout to this, but look, if I'm the Nets, if I'm a Nets fan, I'm sitting there like, Hey, finals are ours for the next couple of years. Yeah. But it begs the question to me, like, why didn't KD just stay in Golden State? He had everything made for him there. Steph, Steph's a grown up. You know, he's a guy. You go in there. He's the clear leader. He's got everything taken care of. No, you know, no messing around. This guy knows what to do. Katie's like, oh, I'm going to go off to Brooklyn with unstable Kyrie to a franchise that's never been successful. I, it, you start to question that now almost. I think for Katie. I'm a, I'm a K I'm a KD believer. Like I'm a KD fan. I think that KD is, is way better than anyone has ever given him credit for. Like on Same. his day, he rivals LeBron uh, like 100%. Right. So I think for KD, I think the picture was, Hey, LeBron's come, LeBron came to LA. I want to play LeBron in the finals. Yeah. I'll go to the East. I'll go to a place I want to play play at I'll, I'll go to a franchise i want to be at the brooklyn nets are super hype i love the jerseys they're, they're in brooklyn i mean they've got all it's a big market he's getting paid a lot of money and now he says now he's like hey here's the big picture at the end of the day i get to play lebron in the finals and that's the biggest thing for his legacy is hey i beat lebron back to back in the finals why not me in this top three argument top four ever you know what i mean oh so yeah that that's yeah. for me that's probably why he left golden state I agree. I think I think Kevin Durant is the best scorer of all time. I think he is gonna be, he is still proving that. Um, that says a lot for you know when you in a league that had Kobe Bryant and Kareem Abdul Jabbar and even LeBron James. It wasn't a, you wouldn't call him a scorer, but he'll be number one all time on that list. And Kevin Durant has been the most efficient scorer I've ever watched play basketball. And it's just uh, I don't I don't know why he chose Brooklyn. I I think he kind of wanted his own thing, and you know, Dray, I don't think the relationship in Golden State was ever that great with Draymond. You know, doing saying the things he said, and Kevin Durant, we know he's he's a little thin skinned as an NBA player, as now they, they're becoming. So I think he saw an opportunity to go take over the mecca of basketball, but you know the kind of, you know, the Mets organization of, of the, of the NBA, which is the Brooklyn Nets and try to turn them into the, the, you know, the prominent, you know, Nick level uh, franchise. But um, I don't, I, I see them getting there. I see them going to the finals at the end of the day, you know, I'm a heat fan, but there is one, there is one basketball on the court at the end of the day. And you have, you have three superstars in the court at the same time that kind of play the same kind of way. You know, James Harden, he's a good passer, but he, he's ball dominant. He'll stand there at the top of the key and dribble the, the shot clock out and, and make a drive or a step back. And Kyrie and Katie will kind of do the same thing. Katie can rise up higher than those guys could and score more efficient. But at the end of the day, who's like, where's, who's going to have the ball in their hand? And, uh, you know, if you have three guys that are offensively minded, and that's really all they really are, it's it's gonna pose a problem, and I can see I can see them losing in a series to the Bucks or a, a series to the Lakers, where teams are more even though the Heat could you know pose a threat to them, take them seven, even with those three superstars, because we we've seen teams like the Heat with big three back in with O's, uh back in the 2012 with LeBron, D Wade, and Bosh, you know they were three different players, you know. Wade was a great scorer before LeBron got there, and he was a, score, a good scorer when he was there. But it took Dwayne Wade saying, "This, listen, this is your team. Go, like, this is like this is your time. Go do what you got to do on that court, and we will follow suit. We will find our roles." And and after the 2010 Finals, you know, and the Heat loss to the Mavericks, they kind of found those roles, and and, and it kind of it kind of took you know, a lot of soul searching for Wade and Bosch to really find it. And I don't think a team, uh, players like uh, Durant, Kyrie, and Harden really have that in them. I think Kevin Durant is the best player on that team. And I think it goes James Harden, then Kyrie. To be honest, Kyrie left Cleveland because he wanted to be that guy. And he went in Boston, quickly found out he wasn't that guy. 
So uh, I think it's definitely going to be a learning process. We'll see if they can win, you know, the championship with no bench. I mean, I shouldn't be that big of a problem to get there with no bench, but it, it certainly poses a, a problem. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Ball movement's going to be a problem, how they mix it in the offense. Bench is weak. Uh, can that equal a championship run? We'll see. Um, but uh, that'll do it for this Strictly Sports. We're going to have uh, Mark come on Strictly Baseball whenever we decide to do that. We still haven't talked about the uh, the Lindor stuff, Liam Hendricks to the White Sox. So all that will break down on Strictly Baseball eventually. And, of course, he's got that Yankee hat on. Uh, Mark and I host Strictly Yankees together. Uh, so that will come soon. You know, we don't have much to talk about with the Yankees. Everything's just stagnant. You know, when's LeMahieu going to sign? It's all held up right now. So right when that stuff breaks down, we'll have another Yankee pot out for you guys. Strictly baseball coming soon. Strictly hockey. We'll have again next week. Strictly sports, of course, next week and strictly Rangers next week as well. All on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P and on Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. Uh, thanks, Mark, for coming on for the NBA. And for CJ Uri and Steve Cashin, I am Jacob Brown, and we will see you next week.